This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for May the 1st, 2017. In this podcast, I have an interview with Rodney Perry. He's a writer and he's the presenter of the Life as King podcast. I hope you enjoy the interview. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, What matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. On the line now, I have Rodney Perry. He is the presenter of the Simply King podcast that's available at lifeasking.com. Rodney, I was listening to one of your episodes that was called How to Be a Good Ally. And uh, for people who have no idea, what's an ally? Well, um, ally is a phrase that I've been hearing a lot lately, especially um, at the turn of the new American elections. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was at first I noticed it being a kind of a a, a symbol that people took on to show you that I support, you know, uh, I support immigrants. I support people of color. And. For me, I took it a part of myself to uh, I was having a series of podcasts essentially speaking on uh, because I'm really big on, you know, kind of noticing oppression within society Mm -hmm. and just criticizing society. And one of the things I noticed is you always have to pay attention to who is the most oppressed and who is who is who receives so many different types of oppressions from different angles of society. And um, I recognize that from my angle to be women. And uh, specifically women of color. Mm -hmm. And so essentially I, the episode is called Be Better. And it was speaking, it was essentially um, kind of an ode to men on how we need to put our biases aside, put our, you know, our privilege aside and actually realize that women need our assistance. Women need our help as well. Not in a, uh, I guess, in a condescending nature of, you know, men need to save women, but women are coming together they're being they're organizing way better than a lot of men have demonstrated throughout history. And um, and it's just those things that I feel like will lead us all into a better place. Just taking on is just supporting and just adding on to those numbers and just allowing them to have those, you know, stepping down, allowing them to have those spaces. Um, I believe that is what uh, the episode was really about, just kind of coming to awareness of the, the privileges that being a man within the society has and just sitting those privileges aside because we're going to always have an issue when we always have a person who kind of just always has the upper hand within any situation. It's always going to be some type of tension. So that was essentially what the episode was about. An ally for me, from my definition was just about truly being a person who is assisting in the struggle, not trying to take it on themselves and lead it, but actually following in line and being a soldier. Well, one thing about that, and I think this term ally, you're right, has come maybe more to prominence. Isn't it a bit condescending? Do, does Can't people just decide what they think is the right thing to do in society and do it? Um, yes, I, I do believe uh, that too. Um, and I think um, I, re- I received definitely some, you know, some responses and feedback about that, about just using that word and using that term to explain what I meant. Um, 
I think yeah, I'm glad I did it, though. Um, I feel like, you know, words do mean things. And it's crazy how we live in a, a day and age where that a word that usually means, you know, to be a friend to a person of, you know, to aid another uh, is now seen as something that is just, you know, a symbol that you put on to show everyone, oh, I'm with the I'm with the cause. I'm with the resistance. Mm-hmm. And in actuality, that's and that's all you have to do. You have to just wear a safety pin on your, you know, on your lapel. And that shows that you're with the resistance. You're not you know, you're not here for our current American administration. And so it, it's interesting to me that, you know, that is what it is. But I, I feel that everyone it's you would think that it would be that easy for everyone to just choose the right thing and just go go with it. But I feel like history has showed us that that it's not that easy. A lot of people need to be influenced and shown why they need to support. One thing that I'm a little bit uneasy about those uh, those sort of terms is that for sure there are people who have a worse deal in society. That's unarguable. But I think it's maybe more complex than some people are willing to agree. And for example, probably historically, at least women had less advantages than men. For sure, black people had less advantages than white people. But sure. if you were to take, say, uh, an unemployed coal miner in West Virginia who lef- left school when he was, uh, you know, before uh, they got a high school um, diploma and has been unemployed ever since they were uh, laid off from a coal mine and compare mm-hmm. that white man to a black woman, say, for example, Malia Obama, there's no question mm-hmm. uh, that that white man, although he may not be typical of all white men, that particular exactly. white man for sure is not an advantaged person. I, I believe that we have a a race that we never speak on, and that race is class. And I believe that uh, class essentially is this very, you know, this, that is the true melting pot of just all these different things, because anyone can reach that space. Anyone can reach a certain high class and have this certain amount of privilege that kind of separates them from certain people. Like you have a lot of, you know, people of color who get to a place of prominence and a place of great financial uh, just just a benevolence, I guess. And I believe you will see them being so separate or being so distanced to the community they may have came from, especially if they came from if they didn't have a start that was, you know, a silver spoon and they kind of really grown themselves out of a, a, a press situation. Mm-hmm. They, they eventually grow into a person that becomes detached from. Hold the on a second. Is there, is there something wrong with success? There's nothing wrong with success. Now, what I'm saying is, is that class, because of our, the way class is, is now in our current society with capitalism, it, it separates you. It makes you, um, I believe I've seen it so many different times, especially with a lot of people with, within prominence, they have to make it their business to, you know, reach back and to stay in touch, which I believe isn't a, a hard task because that privilege avails you to have that easier than most people. You can you can go into these communities um, within the south side of Chicago and see exactly what's going on. And you have the ability to leave out of that situation. You can observe from any angle, probably have access into a lot of different things and take it back and go back into your very comfortable place, which is nothing wrong with that. But I think it's what you do with that information and how you can assist into changing that to making that better. Because I feel like if you go home and you still think, well, that's, you know, that's sad that they go through that, you know, that's your prerogative. But I believe we will be such, such a better place in this world if we actually were reactive and um, assisted and, you know, making things not even more equal, but just actually giving a push and actually recognizing this is they put themselves there as well as these are from choices they made as well as there is an exterior force that's 
essentially, you know, keeping them there and keeping their conditions the way they are. Do, do you think that, uh, let's put it like this, a black man who works hard and becomes economically successful, is rich, has a nice house, drives a nice car. Do you think mm -hmm. that a black person who achieves that has a greater responsibility than a white person who uh, achieves that? Honestly, I I'm, I used to think that. Honestly, I used to think that, but I feel like I've evolved to a state of mind where I believe everyone has that responsibility. Um, um, I believe it's always put on black people because of, you know, just because of our history within America that we always have to reach back. And we put pressure on people who get to a level of success as well, just as a community. And I believe that we shouldn't do that. We really shouldn't because it's literally it's on them. And you don't want false generosity. You mm -hmm. want the people who actually want to help and assist in any type of humanitarian act from their heart. So you don't want to keep forcing all these people because then it becomes just a, a circus act. It just becomes something that make you seem as if, you know, makes your PR great. It makes your image seem great because you donated all this money, because you spent this time, you know, spent your whole day handing out turkeys. I believe everyone who has some type of access should always be able to, you know, I feel like personally should share that to share the wealth. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I see a lot, and I look, try to look at, you know, um, political speech from right across the, uh, from the spectrum. And it's noticeable. I, I had to laugh when I heard one particular phrase, which I thought encapsulated something very well. Um, mm -hmm. One video that I saw that was called the Oppression Olympics. And mm. the thesis of it was that the more uh, boxes you could tick to show how you were in a member of various different oppressed groups, the more you That's won the, the oppression Olympics. Is it true maybe that people, especially on the left and the liberal wing these days in the United States, not only are proud of being oppressed there's almost people racing to to try and uh, say that yeah i'm in this oppressed group as well and they're they're um they see this as a way to maybe social success or credibility i agree i believe that a lot of people on the left definitely um ride that they ride that horse or ride that donkey i guess and um and really just really sell it hard and I believe, you know, they rather instead of, you know, there's probably people who have, you know, chosen against certain things and chosen against, you know, certain ties and, you know, certain sit downs and certain meetings just because of the ideals of another person. But I'm a person who believes in you have to have those conversations with conflicting uh, ideals and you have to get to a point if you can get to that point to be able to work with individuals that actually seem as if they want to work towards a place of peace and prosperity. So I feel like. The left definitely, um, I wouldn't say exploits, but they definitely kind of push a lot of their agendas based off of just oppression. And every time there's a new thing, they're always right ahead of it. I don't think it's um, unwise, but I think it distracts from any solutions. I think if you're always kind of trying to find what's the new hot, uh, who's the new hot oppressed demographic, then you're going to miss out. Uh, you're going to put so much attention towards that that we're never actually creating solutions because we're always just trying to create awareness and we're always just trying to have a march and do all these things. But we have to push more towards actions or because a lot of people will just be settled for that. If you see that your politician, you know, is is pro is pro um, is uh, pro choice mm -hmm. and just pro women and pro uh, LGBT rights. Um, that is enough for a lot of people. You, if like that's we've seen this with our previous election, you know the you know the dog whispering and just the 
and all of those different, you know, kind of just uh just showboating to mm-hmm. a certain demographic just to get those votes. And I think that happens throughout our political scope. So I believe we have to ask for more. We have to, you know, demand more for these elected officials and these people who have these, you know, the power to actually force that type of change. And we, we can't just keep, you know, trying to present awareness about it. I think everyone, you know, even if there are people who still don't understand it, you know, that trans people have been around. This is not a new thing. They've been around forever. Um, but it's now seeming as a new trend and a new, you know, topic of conversation. Yeah, no yeah but should, yeah, that's know. that's a good point, Rodney. Because okay, trans people in very small numbers have been around mm-hmm. forever. Yes. Do you, do you, do you get the feeling that um, maybe there are some college campuses where uh, people who come from wealthy, probably white, probably very middle class, well educated backgrounds, um, who? perhaps have uh, slightly varied sexual interests, but would not in any other age have been considered uh, trans, uh, that they're jumping on a bandwagon so that they can say that they're, you know, essentially so that they can win the oppression Olympics? I, I believe so. I definitely believe so. I believe, you know, I've definitely heard, and we, we see it within comedy, we see it within writings, just as you said, um, people almost trumping it. Like it's becoming, I feel like, you know, especially in America, we have this very competitive nature that if you have this comparison or you have this very similar experience, that it it goes past that point and then it becomes, well, my experience was harder or more, you know, this and that. It was just more extreme than yours. And mm-hmm. we should never get to that point to where we are competing with what makes us oppressed because we don't we don't choose those things. Those things are just are just facts. Like you don't choose, you know, your race. You don't choose being, you know, a a man or a woman or how you feel in the inside. You, that is just so, what some you people are. are trying. Yeah, some people are trying, but definitely it, it's still, you know, it's it's way more complex than that. And it is still something that you didn't you didn't come into this world like, you know what? I want to put myself through these types of struggles because this is just what I want to do. I feel like no one who is truly, truly um that's what they see themselves. That's what they identify as would never, ever choose to be in a, to choose to be that way in this world. And in all honesty, I believe a lot of people have, I think just because of the reason why it's so big now, and it's the topic of discussion now, because so many different people have came out and also so many people have, you know, pushed it to the front front lines and um, just yet again for awareness as well as just, you know, different figures, the Caitlyn, the Caitlyn Jenner uh, coming out, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how serious it was because of my age. Um, cause I never really knew, you know, uh, Caitlin pre, uh, pre transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what, what her influence was or any of those things, but, you know, speaking to people who were around those times, you know, no matter what ethnicity you were, who I've spoken to about this, they all speak on, you know, Bruce Jenner in a very, very high light mm-hmm. and, and just mm-hmm. how he was so much of a man. He was the example of a man. He was, he was literally the, world's greatest athlete at that time and that was just everything for everyone no matter who you were the world everyone in the world you know loves some type of sport so he was very you know coveted and i think it was that man that masculinity that was so 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 impactful for you to find out this is the way he seen himself and he seen himself as a sheep and i believe that that is what made it blow up And also, you know, just seeing, you know, the emergence of, you know, transgender within pop culture, just within, you know, films and and music and and poetry. And I believe that is what, you know, that resurgence became. And then it just became into and because of that, 
it came into law and now it's a part of, you know, politics now. Now it's literally laws on the floor, you know, being decided on if these people can use, you know, bathrooms or not. It's kind of it's it's crazy, but I think that is the way that the world is. We exactly what you said, you know, you have the left and you have the right, and you have the left who may present and bring awareness to the floor about what's going on. And you may have some people on the right or some people who kind of caught in the middle and just lean who are always going back and forth on what is so and yeah, but creating do, do you think complexes. do you think maybe there's also people who are exploiting that that they've um, essentially i mean it, there is racism but within officialdom racism is not acceptable you know there are no racist laws on the books uh, in, in the sense of specifically, you know, specifying what one, one race can do and the other cannot. Um, yes. Uh, the Supreme Court has basically knocked on the head all of the marriage equality. That's just a federal law now and that's unlikely to be overturned. Exactly. Um, do, do you think maybe that there's a, a point that the left lost by winning? That's to say they won those battles. But they lost the ability to, uh, to 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 fight on that ground. So they're kind of looking around for another battle about another battleground. I think um, yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know, I believe when you think about the Olympics, when you think about you know just being an athlete, the longevity is what kind of makes you seem as if you're powerful. You know, mm-hmm. so I get what you're saying. As in winning, kind of essentially ended a chapter for them. Like they have, they really don't, other than, you know, other yeah, than Yeah, you can't really small, go on, you know, on, an, on another um, exactly. uh, demonstration against oppression exactly. if, if the Supreme Court has said, uh, you're not being oppressed anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's all said and done. And I think that is, it just really needs to be seen as a good thing because I feel like you can't keep exploiting these different oppressions to gain, you know, to garner all this attention because they already literally in in my own family and every and every other black family I know, um, are so, so, so loyal to Democrats. Like, no matter what it is, they may be the most ill-informed, when it, ill-informed voters. Whoever's on the bill for Democrat, that's what they stick with. And I think that is very volatile because we don't, you have to be able to still look into these people. You still need to understand what their policies are because it, just because they're Democratic doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, views that may lean or, or have certain ideals that literally will specifically affect you. They may not affect a majority of their, you know, the constituents that they're trying to, you know, gain, but it really may affect you if they literally sit here and say they want to cut, you know, these type of manufacturing jobs. And yeah, we're going to do I'm, this. I'm interested. I'm interested in what you say. And you're right. The the, the black demographic is easily the most loyal to the, the most to, the, loyal. to the Democrat to the Democrats in in terms of uh, voting. Is it true that the Democrats haven't been so loyal to the black community? I believe it's definitely true. And also, you have a lot of black people who don't vote. You have a lot of black people who just don't vote. So if you have these, you know, these areas and these counties and these districts where you're not getting a large voter um, turnout, uh, turnout, then you can now say these people really don't care. They're not involved. So we can make decisions for them. Yeah, there, there's, some people, there's some I, people I, I on the, on the, the right. Part. There's some people on the right, Rodney, saying that um, the for example, the welfare programs and so forth, of course, those apply to the whole population and most of the uh, recipients are white, but blacks may be overrepresented in that. But do you think that there's something in what some people on the right say that what's really needed is uh, a stronger nuclear family within black communities? 
Um, I agree. I believe, uh, speaking very candidly, um, I've seen it firsthand. Um, people getting to these romantic relationships and they have children and the children are literally the start of the breaking of this family, of this, you know, this family unit. Mm-hmm. You would think that it would you well, I think a lot of people who may not know think that it may happen just within disagreement or, you know, just certain, you know, personal issues that breaks families. I've seen most families being broken before the child is even born. Mm-hmm. Like just because of the state just because of the the child is coming, it creates this very strange tension amongst, you know, especially, you know, two two black individuals. And um essentially because of that growing tension, they usually end up splitting before the baby even gets here, then the baby's here. And depending on, you know, that's why we have these, you know, these shows like Maury and Jerry Springer yeah, and yeah, all these yeah. types of things, because there are a lot of people. But they essentially exploit that dysfunctional black they, families. They, they definitely exploit that. And it's sad. And I definitely believe that the right is on to something, but I'm not sure if they understand the nuance behind it. I definitely believe that there is definitely a lot of people who have used have, who have used government assistance to keep themselves into a place where they, I guess, um, perceived comfortability because now you can force, now you can go to the court and force your, you know, the father of your child, the father of your children to, you know, to assist, to be a part of the, the family unit in some way, shape or form, which mm-hmm. is monetarily because he, he doesn't have to accept any type of, you know, shared obligation within, within raising the children which is what a lot of people opt out to do. They always just be like, okay, just take it out of my check. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is what's, you know, a very sad divide that you don't see. Cause you will see a lot of these, you know, a lot of white families on the other side who may be on welfare as a whole, as a whole family <laughs> where there's still a, a mom and a mom and a, a father in the household. And they're, they're, they may be struggling, but they're making it together. You know, sure, they're struggling sure. together. It, it, it's, it's worth saying, though, the, the, the red state paradox does come in here. Divorce rates are much higher in, uh, in uh, southern red states than they are in, in uh, the, the typical blue state. Oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. But that it, it does. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I I do believe that. You that know, that could be more as, an association with poverty than anything else. Yes. But in any case, uh, Rodney Perry, the um, presenter of the Simply King podcast available at mm-hmm. lifeasking.com. Thank you very much yeah. for talking to me. Thank you. If you like the Challenging Opinions podcast, please rate and review the show on iTunes and other podcast providers. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Tell your friends. But most important, make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on May 1st, 2017. I have links in the show notes to Rodney's website and his podcast, Life as King, and to the Oppression Olympics video by Shoe on Head. You should watch that. It's very entertaining. I've just included a new feature in the website as well. I know lots of people use iTunes or other podcast software to listen, but some people don't use those. They just listen on the web page. So I've put in a little widget. You can enter your email address, and when a new podcast goes up, you automatically get a simple email with a link to the page to listen. No spam, and you can switch it off anytime you like. So try that out. Do you know someone who I should interview? what topics should I be covering? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. And if you like the podcast, there's one thing you can do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. 
there's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Challenging O. You can also follow Rodney Perry at Kings underscore Memoirs. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music if you're on Android. And there's RSS there if you use other software. And like I say, you can sign up for a free email alert to just listen on the website if you prefer that. You can find them or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. Coming on Wednesday, that's May 3rd, I'll have an interview with Spocko of the Spocko's Brain blog talking about data security rights. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. <laughs>